0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Locked on Yankees, your daily podcast covering the New York Yankees. We are brought to you by the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Stacey Gotsoulias. I'm an author of Baseball Prospectus. I run their local Yankee site, BP Bronx, and I've written for a bunch of places on the internet, including ESPN and the Hardball Times. As always, you can listen and follow for free on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, and you can play Locked On Yankees on your smart speakers by saying play podcast Locked On Yankees. You can also follow us on Twitter at Locked On Yankees, and you can email questions or comments to LockedOnNYY at gmail.com. In today's episode of Locked On Yankees, we'll recap the Yankees three-game series with the Mariners. It was mostly positive. We'll go through the big story in each game. In segment two, we'll preview the series against the Twins, which starts tonight in Minnesota. Sonny Gray is starting on Tuesday, so Severino and Tanaka can rest a bit. Aaron Judge still feels pain in his wrist. And the Yankees now have 10 players with at least 10 home runs this season. In the final segment, we'll take a trip around the league. We'll discuss Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, J.D. Martinez, and much more. So the Yankees won two out of three in Seattle, which is good. There's nothing wrong with winning two out of three. It's just that winning the finale of the series would have been a big help. Masahiro Tanaka has had success against Seattle in the past. And heading into Friday's game, he was 6-0 with a 2.34 ERA and seven starts. After Friday's game, hes seven and zero with a two point zero two e r a and eight starts. Tanaka held the Mariners to just three hits over eight innings of work. He struck out ten batters and he didn't walk a batter and Helping Tanaka pick up his seventh win overall against the Mariners were Glaber Torres and Andrew McCutcheon, who both homered Torres made the game two nothing in the second with a blast to left center and McCutcheon hit his first home run as a Yankee in the third inning to make it 4-0. It's all Tanaka would need to pick up his 11th win of the season. David Robertson pitched the ninth. He struck out one and walked a batter. On Saturday, Andrew McCutcheon opened the game with a home run against Felix Hernandez, his second in two days. Seattle would strike back with a run in the third inning, courtesy of a Mike Zanino bomb off Lance Lynn. The Yankees pulled ahead to one in the top of the fifth after manufacturing a run. It started with a Brett Gardner walk, and after he stole second and advanced to third on a pass ball by Zanino, he came in to score on a Giancarlo Stanton sack fly. Now the Mariners came right back to score a run to tie the game on a D Gordon single that scored former Yankee. Ben Gamel from second base. In the top of the seventh inning, Austin Romine hit his tenth home run of the year to put the Yankees up by one. We'll talk more about that home run later. And in the top of the ninth, the Yankees added another run courtesy of a Glaber Torres sac fly. So the bottom of the ninth got a little hairy. After Zach Britton and Robertson pitched a scoreless inning apiece, Dellin Patanzas came into pitch and immediately gave up a double to Mitch Haniger. He got Gene Sigurd's strikeout swinging and hit Robinson Cano with a pitch to put runners on first and second with only one out. Then he walked Nelson Cruz to load the bases with one out. I'm assuming everyone was uh, pretty nervous at this point because we've seen this movie before. We've seen Batanzas come into a game on the road with a lead. And blow it. But thankfully, he came back and pitched like we all know he can. (laughs) He got Denard's band to strike out on a foul tip. And Kyle Seeger to swing through strike three to end the game. That was a big relief. On Sunday, CeCe Sabathia made the start, but he didn't factor into the decision he went five innings. He gave up two runs on seven hits with a walk and four strikeouts. Those two runs were scored in the bottom of the first after the Mariners hit four two out singles in a row, which is so irritating. There's nothing worse than watching your team give up runs when there's two outs, and especially on four singles in a row. The Yankees scored a run in the top of the first after Giancarlo Stanton and Miguel Andujar hit back-to-back doubles. It was Andujar's 39th double of the season. The Yankees scored their second run after Neil Walker, Luke Voigt, and Gleber Torres hit back-to-back-to-back singles, and Andrew McCutcheon worked a bases-loaded walk. The game would remain tied until the 8th, when Mitch Haniger scored on a fielder's choice by Robinson Cano. Hanniger got on base via a leadoff walk. The Yankees got a little something going with two outs in the ninth after McCutcheon was hit by a pitch. But Hanniger, who is a major pain in my ass, made a great play to end the threat and end the game. So as Meatloaf famously sang over 40 years ago, two out of three ain't bad. But I would have preferred a season sweep over the Mariners. So up next, we'll preview the series against the Twins, update you on Aaron Judge, discuss Austin Romine's 10th home run of the season, and why it's kind of a big deal. But first, so the Yankees are continuing this nine-game road trip with a series starting tonight in Minnesota against the Twins, who are 15 and a half games in back of Cleveland in the AL Central. I'm slightly embarrassed because I believe when I made my predictions for baseball prospectus, I thought that maybe the Twins could win a wild card spot. (laughs) Yeah, season turned out a little different than uh, everyone expected. (laughs) So Monday night's matchup. Pits Jay Happ against Kyle Gibson. Now Gibson is 7 and 12 with a 3.74 ERA. Happ is 15 and 6 with a 3.90 ERA. Tuesday Sonny Gray is going up someone up against someone. We have no idea cuz they're doing that opener thing that everyone else does. And on Wednesday, Severino will be looking for his 18th win against Jake Odorizzi. So the big surprise in that list of starters is Sonny Gray making the spot start on Tuesday night. And the reason behind this decision by Aaron Boone is so Severino and Tanaka can have a bit more rest down the stretch. As we all know, Gray was moved to the bullpen in early August when he showed that he couldn't hack it as a starter for some reason. And while speaking to reporters about this move, Boone says that he's seen Gray trust his stuff more since being bounced from the rotation. And the proof is in the numbers. He's 2-0 with a 1.83 ERA in six appearances, with one start since that time. Heading into the move to the bullpen, Gray was 8-8 with a 5.56 ERA in 21 starts. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. It's exasperating that it took Gray moving to the bullpen for him to throw with conviction. Because if he had done that from the jump, the Yankees would be in a much different situation than the one they find themselves in right now. They could be right behind Boston for the AL lead, or they could even be in the lead if Gray pitched the way the Yankees expected him to pitch when they traded for him. And like I said earlier, he is facing the Twins on a night when they have an opener. That's crazy how many teams are doing this opener thing now. It's spread around the league faster than an STI. And I remember you remember when the Grays the Grays ha the Rays started doing it and everyone was making fun of them. Well, they're having some success with this formula, which is why other teams are emulating it. And one last thing about this series against the Twins. The Yankees are 82 and 21 against the Twins since 2002 and they swept them in Yankee Stadium in May. On the Sunday afternoon game, the Twins had a 3-1 lead heading into the bottom of the ninth, and then Fernando Rodney gave up the walk-off to Gary Sanchez, and the Twins were swept out of Yankee Stadium. In in such heartbreaking fashion. Like I know the current Twins players have no idea or I don't think they have an idea about how bad the franchise has done against the Yankees in recent years. But I'm sure Twins fans were probably like, "Oh, we're finally going to beat them." And then yeah. <laughs> it it is really crazy. I I don't understand it. It's 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 really incredible when you think about it. When you think about how many players have Played for both teams during this past 16 years and how the Yankees still beat up on the Twins no matter what? I don't know. It's really odd. So Aaron Judge is still experiencing pain in his wrist, which isn't a good thing. He's been participating in indoor back batting practice and the Yankees had hoped that he'd be able to move on to on-the-field BP, and Judge still sounds a bit optimistic, even though he doesn't know when he'll be facing a live pitcher. Wrists are such a tricky injury, and it's probably the worst place on your body to have a broken bone. I mean, not counting your neck, obviously, but because there's so many... Bones going together there, and just where he was hit and where the bone chipped off was just a really bad, just really bad luck. So who knows when he'll be back, if he'll be back. I keep saying if because I just have this awful feeling that he's not going to be able to make it back in time to play. On a more positive note, Austin Romine hit his 10th home run of the season. And it's a big deal for Romine, who keeps raising his career high in home runs, and it's a big deal overall because he became the 10th Yankees player to reach double-digit home runs this season. The Yankees have 232 home runs overall, and they're not too far behind the record, which was set by the 97 Mariners, who hit 264. The Yankees were the first team in the majors to reach the 200 home run mark. The Dodgers joined them on Sunday. They're right at 200. And Saturday's game was the Yankees 68th with multiple home runs. And both of their runs on Sunday were scored without hitting a home run. Up next, we're going to go around the league And talk about some series, some division races, and some individual performances. But first, so in our final segment, we're going to go around the league. The Red Sox pulled off a walk off win on Sunday night against Houston after losing Friday and Saturday. Houston has been on a tear of late, winning seven out of eight games. And they're now tied with the Yankees in the standings with an 89-54 record. The Red Sox have won 98 games overall. Houston kept them from reaching the 100-win plateau this weekend. But J.D. Martinez hit a big plateau. He reached 40 home runs on the season. He is having some season as... The primary DH for the Red Sox, and I believe the 40th home run puts him in the same sentence as David Ortiz, who's reached that plateau before. The Rays completed a sweep against the Orioles, who have reached the hundred-loss plateau. They're 41 and 102. Yikes. Now, the A's, excuse me, the Rays have won 11 straight games at home. And they will be facing the Indians next. And I wouldn't be surprised if they swept the Indians with the way they're playing at home. The Indians just finished up a series in Toronto with a 6-2 loss on Sunday. The A's also had a series sweep this weekend. Against Texas, which kept their lead over Seattle for the second wild card rather large. It's seven and a half games. And because of the Yankees' loss in Seattle on Sunday, the A's are only two and a half games behind the Yankees for the first wild card slot. I really do not want the wild card game to be in Oakland. Thank you. Very much. Can we talk about Mike Trout and Shohei Ohtani for a second? (laughs) Now, I always find it amusing when people, mainly Red Sox fans, proclaim that Mookie Betts is the best player in baseball. No offense to those people, but as long as Mike Trout is breathing, he's the best player in baseball. This weekend... Trout got on base 11 times in 14 plate appearances, and he hit two home runs. His season war is 8.7, which means he's that much closer to reaching 10 war. And if he does, he'll be the eighth position player In major league history, to do it at least three times. The other guys who have done that? (laughs) Willie Mays, Babe Ruth, Barry Bonds, Mickey Mantle, Ty Cobb, Ted Williams, and Rogers Hornsby. And as a friendly reminder, Mike Trout is only 27 years old, which means He still hasn't peaked. That's frightening. (laughs) Now, the writers will uh, probably vote Betts as the MVP for the American League this year. And he's had a good year. I'm not taking that away from him. You know, he's on the first place Red Sox. He's helped them win plenty of games. And Trout has missed some time with an injury. But the fact that Mike Trout is always in the conversation for AL MVP is proof that he's the best player in baseball because there's never a time when he's bad. He's always good. It's, it's incredible. And he plays for a team that no one cares about. And because of that, he's not the face of baseball. He's also a little boring, (laughs) which doesn't help. Like, he doesn't seem to have a dynamic personality. Like, if Mike Trout had Didi Gregorius' personality, he, he would definitely be plastered all over the place. He would be in ads all over the place. You would see him on TV all over the place. But because he's not, you don't see it. Now, for his teammate, Otani, they announced that he needed tommy john surgery because he has a tear in his ucl but that didn't slow him down hitting wise he's in the midst of a seven game hitting streak which he reached on sunday by hitting a double and he hit his 19th home run this weekend 19th overall he didn't hit 19 in the weekend that would be amazing and it looks like he he will be DHing until the end of the season So the timing for the Tommy John surgery is going to be strange because I guess he's going to miss all of 2019, I would assume, unless they're going to bring him back as a hitter. I don't know. It's very strange how elbows work. I don't understand them. (laughs) The NL West race is taking shape a little bit after this weekend. The Rockies are a half a game against ahead of the Dodgers. They played head to head this weekend. The Dodgers took two out of three, and the Diamondbacks, who are just behind the Rockies and Dodgers, lost three out of four to the Braves, which puts them two and a half games behind the Rockies. So my wish for chaos in the NL West is slipping away. So the Diamondbacks better get their act together because I want. Chaos in the NL West. Actually, I would like it in the AL West as well. I think it would be amazing if the A's could catch the Astros. But now that the Astros are, I think they're almost 100% healthy, at least in their lineup. So that's why they're rattling off so many wins. So that is it for today's episode of Locked On Yankees, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Stacey Gotsulius, and you can follow me on Twitter at Stace Gots, S T A C E G O T S. And once again, you can email us questions or comments at lockedonnyy at gmail.com or tweet us at lockedonyankees. You can rate this podcast on Apple and on Google. And spread the word to your fellow Yankee fans about this podcast. Have a good Monday, everyone.